This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of June 30th, 2018. Beavertown Brewing pulls a wicked weed. Weed waters, or Bob says buzzwords about weed for nine minutes. Guinness, back in the USA. And tap inventor dies doing what he loves. All that and more this week on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, a show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Fraser. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. All right, All right. let's jump let's into it one. and get across the pond on Thursday, June 21st. Uh, Colt UK Brewery Beavertown announced its partial sale to Heineken International. Although all details of the transaction were not disclosed at press time, Beavertown founder and CEO Logan Plant described Heineken as a minority partner and confirmed Heineken's stake will provide 40 million pounds, about 53 million U.S. dollars, to build Beaver World, a new brewery and visitor site in London. We retained full Oh, con- it's certainly a visitor site. <laughs> oh, yes, with that name. We retain full control of our destiny. We retain the freedom to do our own thing. Uh, the relationships with our accounts, distributors, suppliers, and brewing family and friends stays exactly the same. What, where have we heard that before? <laughs> Does, doesn't sound familiar at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Who we work with and how we work with them stays exactly the same. Uh, I can't stress enough uh, how imperative this is. This has been to us throughout the process. Heineken do not want us to confirm or conform or change. Uh, what will change, he says, is the building of Beaver World, the name of a new... 450,000 hectoliter, uh, 338,000 barrel facility slated to open in late 2019. Additionally, the brewery is planning to open a brewery at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. Unsurprisingly, the UK craft beer industry is not thrilled. (laughs) Cloudwater Brewing Company and other UK-based brewers withdrew from Beavertown's extravaganza event. Um saying if we had known earlier this year that Beavertown was working on a minority sale to Heineken, uh, the world's second biggest beer company behind AB InBev, we'd have pulled out months ago. Don't think about them being that big. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cloudwater wrote in a blog post uh, and continued, our decision to withdraw is based at its core on us standing up for independence and standing against uh, disturbing corporate tactics employed by Big Beer that should never have any place in craft beer. The list of breweries to pull out of the festival is up to half of the announced breweries. Now, now where where else did this happen? Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. Wicked Weed. Uh, including the likes of BrewDog, also in the UK, uh, Jester King from over here stateside, The Vale Brewing, also stateside, and you have Cloudwater Brewing. But Jester King, just uh, just like with Wicked Weed, which is probably why they got harassed for a statement, uh, Jester King released a statement echoing their stance after the sale of Wicked Weed, including harsh accusations toward Heineken. 
this is a quote from them. It's uh, You can go to Jester King's website and they have this posted. Uh, but from it, they say, Your favorite breweries haven't ever used a brand to hold taps back from Irish craft breweries whilst mocking them or received a or 31.5 million euro fine for breaking competition laws in Greece or been accused of allowing the widespread sexual abuse of employees or agreed uh, to a financial settlement with workers in the Democratic Republic of Congo after being accused of collaborating with rebel movement to breach workers' rights or been challenged over involvement in labor-broking uh, practices in South Africa. Further reports uh, that detail relationships with dictators, tax evasion, human rights failures, and even operating within genocidal regimes are also deeply worrying. Those were uh, the stated reasons as to why <laughs> Jester King will not associate with anyone that uh, associates with Heineken. That doesn't sound that bad, does it? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. But they're actually, despite all that, there has been a huge social media backlash now. Not uh, necessarily towards Beavertown, but towards all the U.S. breweries that have now backed out of attending this festival. Because a lot of people were going to be going to Beavertown to attend this festival to get a lot of U.S. craft beers that they otherwise have no chance of ever getting. So uh, a lot of people have booked flights and travel plans, hotels, all this stuff, and suddenly all the breweries are leaving. And so far, there's it's you know we're not even a week into this. Actually, we're just over a week into this. <laughs> but uh, there's not been a cancellation of the festival or anything like that yet. So we don't, these people might just be going to, you know, a handful of <laughs> breweries that show up. But I have, just, a, I have a feeling they'll end up canceling like Wicked Weed. It'll happen, it. yeah. Uh, what was the other one that had the same kind of problem after they got bought? Um, Devil's Backbone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, no, they, um, what was it? Because they, they had their, their big event thing. They still then, had the event. They couldn't enter any of their beer into it. Oh, yeah. right. Because it was like a craft beer thing. Yeah. That was <laughs> bad. Yeah. I mean, good to see that that there's still buyouts overseas, at least. Uh, no. Um, yeah, they're, they're only selling a minority stake. How much How much was that? It's Does it not, say? They've not made public. 49.99% mm. <laughs> then. Yeah, it yeah, sure. could be something like that. Don't know, uh, uh, but it's awarding them enough money to build, uh, you know, Beaver World. <laughs> Mommy, Daddy, I want to go to Beaver World. I, yeah, I don't know what you guys. Maybe when you're older, little Jimmy. <laughs> don't don't really want to go to Beaver World. Yeah, lots of kids want to go on the damn ride. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. It, it's one. I wasn't aware of just how bad uh, Heineken probably has been, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> that was definitely news to me. <laughs> so, yeah, they have a very long statement on Jester King's site, because that's everyone just keeps going to Jester King since they were so outspoken during Wicked Weeds. So everyone's just like, oh, what kind of inflammatory things would they say this time? Because they didn't even offer up a response or anything initially. There was uh, Cloudwater was the one who started this whole movement this time. And Jester King was like, hey, they started it, and uh, why are you coming to us for a statement? They're the ones who, you know, we're just we're just saying we're not going. <laughs> and then Cloudwater yeah. was saying a few things, and we're like, come on, come on, say something. Say something, Jester King. And they're like, fine. 
It's like, all right, <laughs> I'll say some. See what you think about this. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a little weird that there's these. I understand it, but it's a little weird, you know, to hear people who are pulling out are getting backlash from everything. Because I mean, it is inconvenient for them, though. Yeah, people are going to the, you know this this of this festival that they're holding, and they're not going to get. They're not going to get their, uh, uh, you know, their Jester Kings or whatever else. Well, yeah. I Prob- understand. They, probably could, they could probably get some Lagunitas. <laughs> sure, there's plenty of Lagunitas there. But yeah, that's I could understand. It's like uh, Shelton Brothers, the festival. If it was coming back to this area and we, you know, we made travel plans and all this stuff. Or we were going to go to California to attend it. And we made all these plans and then suddenly, you know, half the breweries back out. And it's like, well, I've already got, you know, I've, I can't cancel this flight I'm, or yeah. they're you know they're not going to give me my money back and right. it's like the hotel they're not going to give me my money back like i'm still screwed right <laughs> i don't know i'd still if it sucks that they don't get to go to the festival it's not going to have the breweries they want but just make a short weekend trip out of it. i mean come on i mean you can always cancel the trip and then book something else later on that same yeah. airline and then as long as you're you're 72 hours out, most hotels will let you cancel. Yeah, and they're still a ways off for this festival. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like Bob said, I bet you uh, might be able to get some Wicked Weed products there. Maybe maybe not all of them. But, or Sorry, not Wicked Weed. Uh, Lagunitas products there. Maybe not all of them, like uh, like this new beverage, Bob? Yeah. Uh, Lagunitas is a new product that <clears> you <throat> won't find in your local liquor store or grocery unless they also happen to be a dispensary. And also in California. <laughs> uh, Hi-Fi Hops is a new sparkling hop-flavored water that contains everyone's favorite psychoactive compound, THC. Uh, mm. These new non-alcoholic products from Lagunitas uh, will come in two varieties, one with 10 milligrams of THC and one with 5 milligrams of THC and 5 milligrams of CBD. Uh, you know, in case you have to go to work. <laughs> right. Uh, Hi-Fi is not the first chapter in the love affair between uh, cannabis and Lagunitas. No, no joke there. Uh, but it is one of the most exciting. Uh, Lagunitas CEO Maria Stipp said in a statement, The idea of having a no-calorie beverage infused with cannabis seems like the perfect next step in our product, uh, in our product innovation and a natural way to marry our past with our future. Uh, <laughs> man, brewing's a lot of work. How about we just do water? Um, but also, Constellation brand CEO Rob Sands uh, took some time this week to talk about the growing trend of THC drinks, and he sees potential there for Constellation as well. He says, uh, we're getting pretty interested in what they're doing uh, and how they're doing it, talking about Lagunitas. Uh, we don't intend to get caught uh, and be coming from behind. But he was also quick to say that they're not going to do anything illegal, uh, however, as there are still federal laws about cannabis that they aren't terribly keen on breaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, how did Lagunitas get around this, you may ask? Well, they make their drink at the brewery, and they ship it to Canacraft, their vape cartridge producing partner, <laughs> who, who adds THC uh, and then cans it. And then they will also be the ones that handle distribution. Oh. Smart. So everyone's trying to get these workarounds. Uh, New Belgium, it seems, is the only one who's pushing forward to advance legislation on this kind of thing uh, with uh, the Hemperer. 
So because mm-hmm. that beer is made with hemp hearts, but there's no, I don't think there's any THC in it. No, there yeah. wouldn't be. Yeah, no. it's not. It, there's just you know those aromas and flavors about the beer. So, but they are like they had to deeply research, you know, what they were doing and how they were going to brew this so that it wouldn't be illegal. And they are still trying to like they are pushing for legislation. I thought it was crazy. New Belgium's working with uh, Willie Nelson's company that he founded. That, really? You yeah. found that weird? Well, <laughs> a little bit. That New Belgium was working with Willie Nelson to help I mean, legalize THC products. Willie Nelson will work with whoever he can to legalize any part of weed. <laughs> yeah. All right, so our, our sparkling water uh, expert here <laughs> is is this next up for you as soon as the baby's out? I was going to say, uh, no. Uh, either way, I don't think so, no. <laughs> really? Um, I, I mean, well, The trip to California is pretty expensive. It's a long way to go for water. Well, I mean, they're already... They're already selling this type of stuff in. It may not be <clears throat> beer, but they're already selling carbonated sodas in Colorado that have hmm. between 10 and 100 milligrams of THC Woo-hoo! in those. Yeah, so 10 milligrams is considered the like starting dose. So for those <laughs> experienced users, I think the 100 milligrams is, uh, is closer to there their speed i mean don't get me wrong i'm kind of an advocate like i you know i've seen it help people you know the the actual uh, herb uh plant whatever uh but (laughs) at the same time like i guess you'd have to let me know like there has to be some other flavor you know like you don't want (laughs) to smell that and be like oh (laughs) well the flavor they've put here is hops Yeah, that's not enough. <laughs> well, I, I certainly don't think I would like hop. Most hop waters. Yeah. No. It's like barley water. It's, it's pretty sick. Um, <laughs> seemed an odd choice. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the smell of hops. I don't like eating hop nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Like, make it blue, I know for a fact. Yeah. I want blue raspberry and black cherry. Yeah, something like that. Like that's the thing. Like pineapple. Hide the THC flavor or whatever else is going on flavor-wise from the 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 weed with some other kind of flavor. You know. <laughs> Drink water every day. <laughs> Smoke raspberries every day. I don't. There we go. Um, grape grape would hide that flavor pretty well. Oh I think. yeah, there you go. Ah, yeah. uh, see, I wouldn't drink that. Ah, <laughs> uh, you don't want Dimetap? So That's they're missing. Exactly. They're missing the perfect like naming puns because you can just take all of the weed name puns that exist now, like grape ape and things like that, and just bring it over to the waters. Right? Pineapple mm. Express. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, on a completely different note, <laughs> who who's never likely to put uh, THC in anything they do? You know, I'm really hesitant to ever say never about any of these places, honestly. Never say never again. Yeah. Uh, so, but we, we think that it's less likely. So, Guinness uh, is actually opening its first brewery in the U.S. in more than six decades. Uh, USA! 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 Um, they, used to, they actually used to have one in New York, but I guess it closed down like a while ago. Uh, the new one, four years. <laughs> yeah, uh, it'll be, um, in Maryland 
And it's uh, the former 62-acre Seagram's bottling plant. Oh. So kind of smart. Um, and it, this is going to be the mm. Guinness Open Gate Brewery and Barrel House. Um, so the property is already used by beer and liquor conglomerate Diageo. Um, we're all surprised. Uh, which owns Guinness. And they actually make it for, uh, or they, they use it for bottling and aging Captain Morgan's spiced rum. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so it's an 80... 80- okay, guys, real quick. Guinness aged in Captain Morgan barrels. Yes. I Yeah, that's fine. Would make it tolerable. Uh-uh. <laughs> nope. Casey's still a hard pass. <laughs> He's like, no. Oh, it's too thin. It's Think true. of all your barrel-aged beers out there. They're thick and viscous. Yeah, yeah. it's true, true. And the rum's not going to help like thicken that up at all. No, no. it'll thin it out even more. Oh. I, I would want it, but maybe not in nitro. Like, I still just can't do the nitro. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's an $80 million investment. Um, and this is going to be in Maryland's historic relay area. So it's going to include tours of the operation, the taproom tastings, a uh, 270-seat restaurant. And they nice. expect about 200 jobs to be created from this and an influx mm. of 300,000 tourists per year. So that all in all sounds pretty great. Um, it's expected to open on August 3rd, which is much sooner than I would ever have expected, uh, considering they just announced this. Um, I imagine there's not a whole lot of, like, there's a lot of stuff they can reuse in there. Yeah. It's not yeah. like they're not like they turn, taking it from, you know, a barber shop to a bottling facility. Not yeah. the best place to try to do that conversion, by the way. <laughs> Um, so, you kidding? That's exactly where I want to get my hair cut. Exactly. Uh, well, yes, but not the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, um, excuse me, geez. There's a quote from Diageo here. It says, uh, having a brewery in the USA will help us understand and respond to trends more quickly, as well as brew smaller batches and get them to market faster, which, yeah, there's still a lot of people who drink Guinness. So it's, uh, it's kind of a smart move. Um, hmm. so it says Guinness is, uh, already brewed in 49 countries and uh it's the first time since um being in the u.s or it's the first time being in the u.s since new- the new york thing 1954 uh guinness was established itself in ireland in 1759 uh kind of been a minute so yeah um i am interested in this at least to see what happens with it to see if it's even worth going to so we talked about something similar they were planning i don't know if this is actually that coming to fruition uh before they talked about trying to come to ohio i still wonder what ever happened with oh, yeah. that i totally forgot about that we, we never yeah i was, I was thinking that weren't they doing something with their their blonde lager the or lager something? was going to be well everything except for you know the regular guinness because that's only guinness proper yeah that's only brewed in ireland gintimus prime gintimus prime. well Guinness, if I'm not mistaken, Guinness is made as a similar to how Pepsi does or Coke. They they make a syrup that the local brewers re- add their own water to and turn it into the, the the substance. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that's that's how the local breweries do it on that end. I may be wrong. Correct me if I am, but I'm pretty sure it's like a brewed to the secret specifications, and then you basically reconstitute it at the actual and bottle it at the actual plant. Okay. Um, I know one of those plants is in Jamaica. Yeah. Mm. Well, because yeah, 
Yeah. Because uh, uh, that's, as we found out, Jamaicans don't drink Red Stripe. They send that stuff out. Yeah. Literally it Guinness. tastes awful. <laughs> I think that's where most of ours comes from, is the Jamaican. Or it did. The Jamaican. I, wonder, I wonder how, like, I, you know, allegedly Guinness has very little degradation, you know, mm. from from where they're shipping them from. But I kind of wonder what happens if you have one, you know, approximately in your backyard. <laughs> well, it, more I mean, in your backyard than Jamaica. All beer is better fresh. Like that, the fresher, the better. So with that in mind, will this make the nitro IPA not dog crap? <laughs> no, no, it'll still be. <laughs> yeah, this stuff was yeah. terrible. Just terrible. It was bad. Well, uh, I got nothing. <laughs> Who, who's turning over in his grave now, Casey, because of the uh, Guinness Nitro IPA? Yeah, well, so um, sad day. Uh, the story is coming from the Washington Post, but we can uh, report that the inventor of the quick draw faucet, um, which actually was created to to pour beer in five seconds with little to no head on it so that you just get the right amount of head, um, has been uh, found dead in a cooler as he was installing his new products at the SunTrust Park, the major league home of the Atlanta Braves. Wow. This raises yeah. questions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, so we're uh, we're looking again at Todd Keeling, who uh, was the inventor of this nozzle type device that, like normal tap handles, they they kind of come out, but his was longer and went down to the bottom of the glass. So you actually filled it from the bottom up. You got less turbulence, and so the beer foamed less, and you were able to pour a full pint in five seconds. So <laughs> it helped with these ballpark so they could pour one right after another and and get them through a lot quicker um after uh developing this quick draw tap he uh went around and and sold to a bunch of different um a uh, bunch of different places uh he was originally from white bear lake minnesota and was only 48 years old oh. he was working an overnight shift monday uh, installing the new technology and at some point he went into a beer cooler behind a concession area in one of the sections on the third floor or the third um, section of the uh, stadium in north atlanta the walk-in cooler was large enough to hold plenty of beer and the temperature inside never felt below 40 degrees first off 40 degrees and below is where the the temperature of beer should be. Let me just say that. Um, these are warm beers at this ballpark. Mm. Um, his body was drug lifeless from the cooler, though, Tuesday afternoon, hours before the Braves faced off against the Cincinnati Reds. Um, since CPR failed to revive him, uh, some the autopsy report has not come out, but uh, the... The idea is that probably it was a fix- asphyxiation related to um, CO2. Mm. What day was that? Monday. Monday. Uh, this past Monday, I believe, because this it's- story came out June 28th, so it would have been this 25th. Monday. Right. I was just saying, like, when was the ball game? Is the other? Oh, it uh, would have been Tuesday the 26th, I think. I think it's the 27th. 27th? Or there may have been a thing, but I'm just saying like, Reds won the last game. Oh. Reds are on a winning streak. If yeah. we're if we're gonna tangent there, everyone's like, no, it, it was foretold that the Reds would fall into this abysmal despair and then come back and take it all the way. Hmm. Mm. They're they're doing real well right now. 
Um, but anyway, so did the, did the guy have a heart attack? What? So the thought is that um, once you get into these coolers, they're in an enclosed space, and you've got a lot of CO2 coming along. If he was uh, working with some CO2, uh, hooking and unhooking some CO2 lines, he may have accidentally had one that was leaking, which filled the cooler, most likely, with CO2, and he would have just fallen asleep and not woken up. Most likely um, is what what they're thinking right now. Um, he is the father of two teenage boys who actually had traveled to Atlanta with him to help install, but they had left several days ago, and he was mm-hmm. just putting the final touches on the tap system. Um, he had been designing this system ever since he finished college, and wow. so um, he requested a patent for it back in 2014, and they granted a license for it in 2016. Jeez. That's awful. Yeah. But what's something's got to be done about this for the walk-in coolers because locally we uh, at a restaurant that is now since uh, burned down, mm-hmm. but uh, an employee was found dead uh, the next morning. He was whoever closed the store and then whoever came in to open it found him dead in the cooler. Yeah, um, there are alarms, but they're not nearly as readily available as CO or carbon monoxide alarms. CO two alarms are are pretty. Um, pretty expensive to be perfectly honest they're they're in the five six seven hundred dollar a piece range so most people just don't put them most places that they really need them because they're just so expensive Mm. Um, there are personal alarms that you can wear and people working in this type of field that they're doing this a lot of times but those are still one or two grand um, and you wear them on your your clothes and they tell you when the co2 is high but um, I can see him not have been able to being able to afford something like that yet considering you know he just got the patent in 2016 and you know he's really getting this going now and then yeah hmm. yeah so um the autopsy is still underway but uh, the osha administrator uh, or osha no i guess osha administration is kind of <laughs> like atm machine um <laughs> is uh investigating the death as well hmm, hmm. All right. Well, I wish I could uh, switch us to a extremely happy note and positive news, but it's just weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one, this one threw me for a loop. So Pepsi is apparently making a smartphone for sale in Chinese market. Uh, according to leaked images, the phone named the Pepsi P1 could apparently have a yeah, have a five and a half inch 1080p screen, a 13 megapixel camera, and two gigs of RAM. According to leaked picture listing its specifications, uh, the rumors of the phone's release began to swirl after a verified account called Pepsi Phone appeared on Chinese. Yeah, appeared on Chinese social media site Weibo. Uh, it is not known. Yeah, it is not known whether Pepsi designed the phone. Be like way. Yeah, we Weibo is like the most popular social media platform in the world. Yes. Well, because China. Is it we or is it way? Weibo. We. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it's Weibo. Yeah. Uh, or whether it use services of an established phone manufacturer, although uh, the latter option is more likely given Pepsi's lack of expertise in making phones. Images of the phone uh, show the distinctive red and white blue Pepsi logo adorning the home screen. Mm-hmm. With another miniature logo on the back of the device, it could be a case that uh, the Weibo account is simply for a new app or similar service. I think that might actually be what's going on here. And the company has no intention of making a phone, but it wouldn't be the first time big companies dip their toes into the phone market. 
So yeah, that's. I think it's actually going to be an app and not like a full blown. Here's a phone deal. Because the phone looks just, very similar to other stuff. It looks like the OnePlus. It it just seems weird that they would have a, uh, that that a beverage company is like we should diversify. We're gonna do cell phones. Yeah, little little odd, but yeah, that's. I could see maybe a special edition phone that someone's like Ooh. it's a phone coming out and then Pepsi's partnering with them. They're gonna do some big cross promotion. They're gonna you know give away like five hundred of these things or something. Maybe I mean, it was just a background for for new Pepsi uh, yeah. work phones. I I mean, and and the thing is, in China, they could easily do it because you've got two of the biggest companies in the world who makes who make phones uh xiaomi and huawei so they they could easily partner with one of them um to just do some kind of weird special phone um and they could be partnering as well with the social network app so it kind of works out or could it just be awkward social media stuff like what we're seeing right now with uh what is it between burger king and budweiser reenacting uh, the old was up commercials via Twitter. I don't know if anyone's oh seen that. It's so yeah. the most awkward and weird tweets back and forth, but it's like if it plays, like if you read them in sequence, like the old was up commercials. Wouldn't it just be them shouting was up? That's what it's yep. devolved into. Yeah. If you go look, it's just Burger King's like, was up! and then it cuts down and then Budweiser replies up. Jeez. It's just that for pages. <laughs> no, I'm good. Yep. Uh, well, I guess moving on to less weird but happier news um, as well. <laughs> so um, I guess depending on how you look at it, but I don't see a downside here. Uh, so all we good, have, all good. My yeah. first bourbon. <laughs> we have a return to uh, the bourbon trail. Oh, this calls for a bourbon. <laughs> bum, bada, bum. So, Old Forester makes triumphant return to the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Um, also, on a side note, before we get too far into this, Casey has ruined me on bourbon because I can't go below 100 proof now. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nice. Nope. It's a thing. Um, so, Old Forester can add a new date to its multi-century history, June 14th, 2018, which was also National Bourbon Day. Uh, the brand made its return to downtown Louisville with a new 70,000 square foot, $45 million distillery. The new premises include a full production facility, including a 24 inch uh, column still, uh, an active cooperage, and an immersive mm. visitor experience. While the distillery started production <laughs> in May, June 14th was actually the opening day for the public. Guys, as as a potential visitor, I want to be, have an immersive experience. Yeah, from the <laughs> picture, no, it's showing like the visitors' experience is you're. It's showing them fire the barrels, like it's yeah. showing them roast the barrels, and it's like <sighs> you can you can be there to watch the barrels get cooked. It looks really cool. Yeah. Yes. Could I get inside the barrel after after it's cooled? Can, I, go, can I hug it? Can <laughs> I lick it? I like the fact that the column still, the lighting for the column still is more than most like community theaters has. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it says it's uh, and I, I didn't know this because we're just not like we just don't go to Louisville ever really. But um, apparently Louisville has a whiskey row. So yes. this is right in the heart of uh, whiskey row. And uh, the new site takes bourbon tourism beyond a simple tour and tasting. So visitors will get to see the barrel elevator, fermentation Ooh. room, uh, <gasps> yeast propagation lab, 
right. I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> Cooperage and a comedy accompanying char room. Yeah. Come uh, with me <laughs> and you'll be in a world of pure inebriation. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that, that actually applies to this one, I think, more than anything. Uh, so one, one lucky tour guest will get to participate in the barrel charring process. Oh. How, many times we have, how many times do we have to go so we can all get in? <laughs> there you go. Uh, so it's a three-story barrel house, bottling line, and more. Uh, for, there's a quote here from uh, the master taster, Jackie Zykin, I think. Uh, it's a very holistic, one-stop shop seeing the entire process. Fermentation, distilling, uh, distillation, warehousing. We have a warehouse in the back. Uh, we'll bottle here. It's everything. It's every single part of the process. And it's downtown, which is amazing. <laughs> it is amazing, actually. Um, so, <clears throat> sorry, guys. My throat is really dry. Uh, so, it's going to be at the same address on West Main Street. Um, same address where the whiskey was made from 1881 to 1919. Prohibition went into effect the following year. And Old Forester's parent company, Brown Foreman, received a federal license to distill for medicinal purposes. It had to move production. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It had to move production uh, of the whiskey to nearby Shively, Kentucky. I don't even know what that is. Uh, Old Forester has been made there ever since. So there's just a, a coming back home moment here, which is, which is nice. Um, so getting to opening day has been a big thing for them, obviously, trying to get all this going. Uh, the official groundbreaking was actually in 2015, um, which, man, so that didn't really take them that long, honestly. Uh, so it's just a few weeks after a fire damaged na- neighboring buildings, so it complicated the construction. Jeez, uh, fires and, and bourbon, guys. Um, Almost like it's flammable. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, the new distillery will produce whiskey for Old Forester in tandem with the Shively. I'm, I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, the Shively campus with the Louisville facility producing over a million bottles of whiskey a year. Um, wow. For opening weekend, Old Forester is extending its hours to ensure as many people as possible can get a first look. The distillery will otherwise be open weekly from Tuesday to Saturday uh, until 6 p.m., so 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., with multiple tours a day offered for $16. Each tour includes a tasting of the bourbon, obviously. Uh, Reservations are encouraged at oldforester.com. So, I have only one problem. Mm -hmm. Must it be in Louisville? I know, right? It's where all the bourbon is. Let's let's face facts. Well, there's supposed to be really good food in Louisville too. Like, there's a there's a million like foodie places yeah, I kind of want to go there's to. There's some mediocre beer. So, I mean, we could we could make a good weekend of it. If you like, if you don't think about the beer and you're like, oh, it's Bourbon Land and all this awesome food. To be it's, honest, that's I'm, what I would be doing if I was in Louisville. I would probably not see Brewery One, maybe against the grain, if mm, there was yeah. time. Other than that, I would just be so, drowning in bourbon. <laughs> As I say, it's 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 going to be our nonstop bourbon trail. Yeah, sixteen dollars uh-huh. for the tour isn't isn't terrible at all, though. That's not bad. I mean, do, I mean, no. it includes tasting, like all that other stuff that you get to see too, and it's like holy crap. Casey, how much was the town branch? Four twenty? No, no, it's less than that. Eight, eight. Yeah, they're yeah, never nice. that much. I don't know anywhere where it's that much. Woodford Reserve had uh, fairly. I think Woodford's was about fifteen. Well, I think on, on this one, it's like the fact that you get to see so much more, you know? Yeah. yeah. 
and get to do hands-on someone like yeah somebody might get to like go to the the char area i want to see him pick like a 10 year old kid (laughs) (laughs) you'll get to you'll get to have this bourbon in 11 years (laughs) (laughs) uh children under 10 are free uh if you are 10 to 20 years old or a veteran of active duty you get four bucks off on Mondays and Sundays, the tour is only $12 per person yeah. instead of 16 Guys, nice. can I pass for under 10 <laughs> <laughs> uh, The beard may be an issue. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was born with this. <laughs> Tours are available starting immediately. So yeah. there are... Tours leave every 15 minutes and there's slots uh, open every day in the coming month. I'm looking at this right now, actually. <laughs> She's like, and can really, we, we really need to plan a bourbon trail. No, we, that we needs do. to be a thing. We even, so do. Even if it's just the four of us, we've got to go do that. Maybe we'd all take a vacation sometime. <laughs> I don't know when. Hmm. <laughs> Doesn't even have to be a vacation. Weekend. <laughs> One weekend. Yeah. This train will have no breaks. Um, so, speaking of bourbon. <laughs> sort of. Uh So it seems that space isn't the final frontier after all. It's bourbon. (laughs) It's not Kentucky. We all knew this, really. (laughs) Silver Screen Bottling Company, under license from CBS Consumer Products, is releasing a line of Star Trek-branded spirits. The first of these is a bourbon fit for a captain. James T. Kirk straight bourbon whiskey. Yeah. It's a 10-year-old bourbon uh, distilled in Tennessee and bottled in Kentucky, so not a Kentuckian's definition of bourbon. Yeah. Uh, and each small batch that's released is planned to celebrate Captain James D. Kirk's bold spirit of adventure. Uh, the bottle design was influenced by Star Trek uh, behind-the-scenes veteran graphic designer uh, Mike Okuda, and it's limited release. Uh, it's a limited release, and it will retail around $60. Very limited uh, official tasting notes suggest a deep uh, depth and richness seen only in the finest examples of bourbon. With notes of caramel, Asian five spice, and mm. pecan. Mm. Uh, James T. Kirk Straight Bourbon will be featured at San Diego Comic-Con July 19th uh, through 22nd, 2018 in San Diego, California. And additional spirits are set to make their, de- uh, make their debut. And that's what uh, pre-show, if we had been on air, we were uh, trying to figure out what these other spirits would be. There needs to be a beam-me-up scotchy. Yes, beam-me-up scotchy. Uh, the I, Scotty Scotch. <laughs> I literally only want this for the bottle. Like I, the, It is uh, a really cool-looking bottle. Yeah, it is. That, it's, it has to be officially licensed, because they've got oh, yeah, all no, the it, oh, one would, yeah. yeah, one well, would think. It's got the Starfleet it, you know, stuff on there. I mean, it's my understanding that it was designed by the graphic designer for for Star Trek, uh, yeah, all of Star Trek, yeah. Akuda. I don't necessarily for all of it, but he's he's definitely done a lot of it. Yeah, he's he's the only person that's worked on uh, more. Oh, no, let me let me make sure I get this right. The only person that's worked on more Star Trek than him has been Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> Which <laughs> he I worked mean... on two. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just saying, like that was the way they quoted it in the in the press yeah. release. I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's had more it, more influence, I guess, over the yeah past. yeah that would probably be more, but uh, yeah no it's 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 a really cool looking bottle. Um, I'm curious to try it. Sixty bucks is a pretty steep 
Yeah. Entry fee. That's... Here it is. Here, here's the way it actually says. Uh, lead graphic designer for Star Trek, uh, Michael Okuda, has earned screen credit on more Star Trek productions than anyone except Re- Gene Roddenberry. There you go. That that All makes right. more sense because okay. it's always created by. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. No, but still, like a, a, a nuclear vessel vodka. Yeah, nuclear vessels uh, has to be the vodka. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's... Uh, in fairness, they're not going for like cheesy names but if they were they should call me <laughs> well and you gotta have something with picard i just don't know what you would do no i think they're doing it for doing tos TOS, keep it TOS yeah because it's a whole new game if you want to start going next generation oh well, okay what about what? spock then um Ooh. spock Absent? strikes me uh, for his blood yeah that's that's racist okay <laughs> i was gonna go with like maybe a gen Oh, but, okay. maybe, maybe. Hmm. Uh, and then McCoy needs to be something very harsh and very abrasive. Just be rubbing alcohol. <laughs> no, his, no, his would just be the. Um, oh God, the, like before it gets in the barrel and all that, like the the you know. Oh, the, white dog. Yeah, yeah just white dog. Yeah, yeah that's it. McCoy. <laughs> Uh, McCoy's good old boy, White Lightning. <laughs> yeah, he was just a good old Southern doctor. Well, never meaning no harm. There you go. Uh, That's great. We I do a show it. about Star Trek where we just get drunk. <laughs> we just get drunk and make puns and, and watch it. Do our own version of Film Sack, but you know, just for Star Trek. I'm on board with it. There's oh. ninety thousand podcasts that do that already. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know if I can beat uh, beat this this uh, Star Trek <laughs> version of, of liquor, but uh, I can talk about one uh, Virginia company now. I guess we can call them a Virginia company uh, because Deschutes has just completed their land purchase in Virginia. They got um, rid of their cold feet. Uh, it's been a long time coming, yeah. Long anticipated buyout of a three point two million dollar deal to acquire forty nine acres of land in Roanoke. Um, we are beyond beyond excited to reach this point. Deschutes president and CEO says, "Don't buy, buy in Roanoke; you'll disappear, and all be left is a carving in a tree." That's exactly right. Um, in April, they had. Uh, hit the pause button on the Virginia location so they could renegotiate an incentive package in order to maintain flexibility on the timeline, size, and scope of the project. I think they had put in there that they would do so much and, and hire so many people by a certain date and they weren't going to be able to do yeah, that. Yeah, they realized so. that, so they were wanting to back out. And they were like, can we just give you cash so we don't have to do the rest of that? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so they have first announced plans to build a $95 million brewing uh, facility in March of 2016. Um, they were slanted to break down, break ground this month. Actually, no, a year from now, starting commissioning and flavor matching in 2020 because they do want to make sure that the West Coast and East Coast products both match up to each other and then begin shipping beer brewed at the facility by 2021. Um, in April, they said the timeline um, of this sizable production facility remained intact however um they would strike a little bit more cautious tone in today's announcement which means that they're probably not going to make that 2021 deadline um but you know they've closed this deal for a 3.2 million dollar purchase of land so hopefully they'll start uh working towards actually um creating a uh, a brewery uh, facility on that site 
I've got hold on. I've got breaking news coming in. Beep, 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 beep. The letters has bre- is breaking ground in <laughs> Kentucky. Yep. That's the way it goes. Oh. <sighs> All right. All well, that does it for the news this week. Um kind of a variety of different kinds of stories that we have. Oh, this yeah. week. A lot of weird stories this week. <laughs> a lot of like, ups, a lot of downs. Not, yeah. Not necessarily like we chose well, we we chose them, but all of them were weird. <laughs> yeah. We didn't just like, oh, these are all crazy. Um, but we would like to remind everyone, this is our news only show. But we also do a weekly long form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. And once again, uh, we will see you next Saturday for the live stream of the show, um, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Brazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>